All righty, folks. Welcome in. Welcome back. This is Polar FC, hosted by Polar Media Company, and we are back at it again. A little bit of an odd time here. We're going on a Thursday evening rather than our usual Wednesday time, but hey, we're making it work. We're busy guys. Vandy's traveling the country, so we're, we're making it work with everybody, but yes, we're back at it again. Myself, Jacob, we got K.O.R., we got Chris, we got Vandy. We're in the studio, ready to give it our all. Chris, you want to take us away with the uh, social media plug? That's right. Uh, the Twitter account, which I have just recently gotten access to again, uh, Pol- at Polar <laughs> FC Pod. Get our latest episodes when they drop. You'll get uh, all kinds of other content coming up on there soon. So give us a follow over there if you like what you hear on this podcast. All right. Thank you, Chris. Vandy, we'll, we'll start over with you. What, uh, what beautiful city are you in for this episode? I am in Los Angeles. Uh, I was in San Diego yesterday. It's like the two-hour drive up this morning to get to LA. And now my time is all disoriented. I've been waking up really early and uh, been trying to text people back home when it's like 10 p.m. here, forgetting that it's like 2 a.m. over there. So trying to figure that out. So off. I was going to say, you must be really hyped for those uh, 6 a.m. Uh, local time, North Macedonia kickoff times, right? Yeah, I woke up this morning and I saw, uh, what was it, 2-1 uh, Ukraine. I think Ukraine pulled it out and I was like, yeah, that was my prediction. Ukraine, I had them finishing second in the group. And I was like, yeah, I get to wake up, drink some morning coffee, watch some football. Great way to start your day. For sure, for sure. K.R., how about yourself? How are you doing this this evening here? Doing well, you know, just in the uh, middle of summer, enjoying free time, I guess you can say. I uh, got the Euros to support me during that, so uh, can't complain, you know. Uh, another right. another episode here. Glad to hear it, and without further ado, we will kick this off here. I know, obviously, Euros are the big thing happening, but the biggest story, I'd say, from this week was Christian Eriksen. Um, if, if you haven't heard about it, uh, kind of a, a fluke injury, um, really no contact from what I saw. He was kind of jogging. It just looked like he fainted. Um, and unfortunately, he had a cardiac arrest. Uh, luckily, uh, the medical team was able to resuscitate him. And luckily, he is in stable condition right now. So obviously, uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to him. Um, but I know that that story has been has been making the rounds on social media. Definitely, um, I'd say left containment. Um, whereas people who don't usually talk about soccer or sports even have been seeing stuff about this and and um, you know re- reacting. And I know when it happened live, as as many of these kind of you know serious or fluke type of injuries. Uh, go like people saw it happen live you get kind of an alert or you see it go on twitter pretty quick and everyone's like oh my gosh like nobody knows what's happening we're all trying to watch live and we're just hoping that he's all right everybody kind of wants to know the inside scoop so it was certainly certainly a bit of an exciting time in a way where 
you know, everybody got on social media and, you know, I think, um, and obviously we can, we can spin this a little differently um, and be happier because he was able to persevere and he is in stable condition now. And I think what we're seeing right now is actually a lot of people come together to say, you know, we support uh, Christian, we support his family and we're kind of standing with him. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, I think earlier today they played Belgium. I know uh, Lukaku is his teammate as well on, on club squad. So uh, they had a, um, I think they paused the game briefly in around the 10th minute just to send their regards, send their wishes for uh, the health of uh, Ericsson. So it's certainly, it's been a mixed bag in terms of emotions and, media but i'm curious to get you guys thoughts on it as well obviously I, you know oh, i'm sorry go ahead vandy i'm just gonna say it quick because i don't know what chris is gonna say and i don't want to say it before chris says it so that it doesn't uh, mix up but i was just browsing through tiktok just to see like highlights of the game because i was driving remember i said the two-hour drive I was driving and I saw Belgium come back and win. I was like, wait, weren't they losing to Denmark? One, they shouldn't have been losing. And then two, coming back, that was a great comeback. Like, De Bruyne is nasty. He's one of the best players on the planet. I think top five right now. But um, besides that, I was um, thinking, I was just looking at the comments and then Ericsson, like, he motioned his hands down as to say, I'm not going to celebrate. And people in the comments were like, what is he paying respect to? And then somebody said, oh, it's because because he's showing respect to Ericsson Buffoon. And then somebody replied, what do you mean? The game that happened last week, which uh, which De Bruyne wasn't even in. So it's like social media is split, or, the, or football, Twitter, football, TikTok, whatever, is split between the side that says, oh, okay, let's pay homage whenever we pay Denmark now. Let's not really showboat as much as we used to. And then you have the other side that's saying, uh, get over it. It happened. He's, he's in the hospital. He's fine. It happened last week. So I'm very curious to, to, to see what you guys have to say about that. Um, I think it was cool that he did show a sign of respect, but at the same time, it's like, it's not like Denmark was De Bruyne's former nationality. And he doesn't want to show vote or something. So I don't know. I'm just curious to see what you guys think. I mean, I think you can make an argument either way. I thought it was kind of nice that he did that. Um, obviously it's a little different now because it's obviously not in the rearview mirror but like he's in the hospital he's going to be okay like they confirmed they're going to be okay it's not like um, when they resumed the first game against Finland where you know it had just happened and everyone was still trying to get over the shock of it um, so I, I can understand him wanting to play it subtle but um, at the same time it had been a few days so I can sort of this is going to sound really wishy-washy to me, but I can sort of see both sides of the argument. I don't think there's necessarily like a right or a wrong. You know, I think it just comes down to preference. Yeah, I, I certainly see where you're coming from, Chris. Um, I kept seeing some things kind of in on Twitter as well, kind of saying, well, wow, like I can't believe they showed him the whole time on the screen. I can't believe like they left the, the camera going live and you could kind of see medics attending to him um and i i agree like i could i could see both sides on on one hand it's like oh like you know these companies are profiting off like showing somebody in peril 
Um, but on the other hand, like if you saw, if you were watching that game, you obviously want to see what happened. And I think that, you know, uh, you know, while there might be some split, I think that a majority of people do like genuinely care and like, you know, want to make sure he's okay. And people, I mean, people love celebrities, people invest themselves into their futures. Um, and I think people were just like wanting to see what's happening, want, hoping he's okay, wanting to see everything turn out fine. Uh, and I think it is also notable that it is Christian Erickson, who is like probably w- one of the bigger players on the field that day. Maybe if it's somebody who, you know, doesn't play, um, uh, I think Christian Erickson's in the Premier League, right? Or am I misspeaking? Anyways, it, uh, like a player who isn't as popular as Christian Erickson or isn't as notable, maybe doesn't get the same sort of following. But I think a lot of people are like, oh, like I recognize that name. I, I know of this guy and I, I hope he's doing all right. I, I want to know how he's doing. And so I kind of I kind of can see both sides of the coin there. Yeah, I think the tricky thing with that was um, with the like, and, and you know, a lot of people on Twitter were getting mad at ESPN, and you know, I'm, I don't think it's entirely their fault because, and this is the thing that a lot of people didn't, I, I think, you know, at least the non-diehard soccer fans didn't realize is it's not like if you're watching an NFL game on ESPN or CBS or Fox where they control their cameras and everything, and they can go to break whenever they want. Um, with uh, this tournament, uh, you get the world feed no matter who's broadcasting the game. So ESPN was on for like 10 minutes, just showing what was happening on the field. Uh, but so was Univision. So was BBC. So were most of the uh, broadcasters covering the game. So, you know, it kind of just sort of made sense. Um, I, my, my, I think it was a combination of the world feed. And also, I don't think that they were, at least this is just speculation on my part, but I don't think they were necessarily legally allowed to cut away until a certain point. Because it, it wasn't just ESPN decided to keep it on. It was a few uh, networks that, that had done it. Um, so I don't know how much input ESPN really had into that. Um, so, you know, uh, there's always that qualifier on it. I think the way I would have handled it, if it were entirely up to me, um, is I would have probably like tried to cut away from like the actual like feed, but like, or, or like, you know, show something else on the field while like the announcers are talking about what happened. So that way, if you turn on the thing and you see they're not playing anymore. You know what's going on. You're not totally out of the loop. Um, so I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tricky situation. Um, you can sort of make an argument either way in terms of how you want to handle it. But, um, you know, the important thing is he's going to be okay. Um, and, you know, uh, we'll be able to put that uh, behind us. And, you know, it was really scary watching it live because at first I, I wasn't actually watching the game. I think it was at the gym when it happened. And, uh, K.O.R. mentioned in the chat, like, oh, something's going on in this Denmark game. And you know, when I saw, I was just obviously horrified. Um, so, you know, glad he's okay. Yeah, it was crazy, at least for me. Um, that was actually going to be the first Euros game that I was going to go watch outdoors with my friends to go to a bar or something, right? And as soon as I was about to get picked up, that happened. I saw it happen live, and, and I just couldn't, like, at first I was like, oh, he was maybe just, you know, got like a knee sprain or he got hurt or anything and then I was like wait he literally face planted on the floor and you know after that things are moving very quickly and um 
they yeah, were I mean, like, even sometimes like dehydration, they might yeah, exactly faint, but it's it's much quicker to kind of get up. But sorry to interrupt you there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I no, no, you're right. Cause like we oftentimes, you know, in to, I would say modern soccer, we see players go down very easily, right? Um, and, and it could be for an array of things, but for it to happen in that manner, I, I kind of had to take a you know a second look and be like, wait a minute, that he's also not moving right after he just went to the ground, right? And now his players are, uh, teammates are kind of freaking out. Medics are rushing to the field. And again, everything's moving very quickly. And, and um, after a while, like Chris mentioned, in the world feed, you can still see in the, in the background that the medics are doing first chest compressions on him. And then uh, soon enough using a defibrillator. And, you know, when they did use that, I was able to kind of see him literally clench his wrist and at that point, I was like, okay, maybe like, you know, hopefully everything's okay. And soon enough, like 30, 40 minutes later, they had that picture from Reuters come out with him, his holding his finger up and his eyes are open. Um, you know, from there on, they were just providing updates and stuff. And I think today morning, they kind of announced that he's going to get an implantable. Um, I think it's called like, a, it's basically like a pacemaker, but it's also a defibrillator on his heart. Um, and this is something that his teammate, uh, Daily Blind, also went through um, in 2020. He had the same similar issue where he collapsed, uh, had like a small cardiac arrest and implanted this chip on him as well. And um, I think it's just it's crazy that things like this is, you know, we mentioned it took like the social media world by storm. Right. But it's something like especially in sports and if it's a world event like this. It brings everybody, like no matter if you're a sports fan, a celebrity, a CEO of a company, like it's something that brings everybody together and, and like shows support, right? Um, but again, now you have this tricky situation where yes, the guy's doing well, you send him his, you know, good wishes of getting well and everything. But at the same time, I think this is this story is like not gonna stop at the Euros, you know what I mean? And you have the World Cup coming up next year too, again, in conditions that are unfavorable to athletes. Um They've already moved the venue to a later season to protect the athletes. But now I'm sure there will be some, you know, routine precautions where each team may be going to have to be required to have a defibrillator on their side um, or, you know, each club teams that aren't as big as these uh, league teams around the world are now going to have to have some measures in place to make sure not only, you know, athletes on the screen go through this, but regular local players local teams are probably gonna have to keep in mind about this too yeah yeah you, you bring up a couple good points and sorry to cut you off there Vandy. i'll give you give it no, back I to you in have, a second what's up just have to give my hats off to care that was amazing research <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the yeah the daily blade thing. um yeah i think i think i saw something similar you brought up his his teammates and I don't know if it had a name. I just remember them saying the captain of the team um, like really responded quickly. They were able to kind of get him situated, get the medic team there um, and, and uh, really aid the process. Um, so it seems like, you know, there were there were at least one, maybe multiple teammates that helped out in that situation that are able to provide support. Um, and I think that's I'm leading going to tie back into to Vandy's the second part of what Vandy said um, earlier, just talking about the reaction to it. Um, I can't recall. I know I, I read at some point, um, but I think there were there was some outcry, I'd say, publicly about maybe the, the, the decision 
that the Denmark team had to make. I think they were given a couple options, like once the game had paused. Um, uh, I think, and I might be wrong here, but I believe the players had like known, once they knew that he was all right and he was going to be stable, they kind of had a decision to make whether it be like to come out and play uh, like that instant. Um, I know one of the options was also just a forfeit. I don't know. I can't recall if they had an option to kind of like push it back a day or how it would work. Um, but I, they, they went with the option to, to continue to resume play. And I know there were some, I saw some photos of, you know, the Denmark players obviously shaken up, um, reports after the game came out and said, you know, um, Erickson had told them, go on, play, like, it's all right, I'm going to be okay. But I'm, I'm sure that was still, you know, a moving experience for the Denmark players. So it was interesting that they had to make that decision. And I know FIFA will probably get some pushback for forcing them to, to make that call. Yeah, I think, and, you know, I am going to play devil's advocate a little bit here. Um, I I'm not saying that, you know, you know I, I can't really speak for like the players because I'm not in their shoes. I hope to God that I never find myself in that kind of a situation. Um, the problem here is it's not like, you know, if this were a Premier League game where you say, all right, we'll make up the match later on in the season. Um, the nature of the tournament is like you're playing every like five days or so in the group stage. So they were kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place between either playing the game that night or resuming it the next day, which is really like 12 hours after they would have had to resume it anyway. Um, so like, it wasn't like they would have had like three days for everything to sort of settle down. Um, so like, it, it was kind of a, they were kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. I don't envy any officials that had to give them the options. I don't envy the players for having to make that kind of a decision in a perfect world. You know, I think, you know, you would say, all right, just, we can move forward and come back to this whenever you guys are ready. Um, but you know, it's sort of tough with the way the tournament is set up. Um, it's not like, you know, a baseball game you can make up in July if it's postponed in June. It's, you know, it's a, a, a condensed tournament and these players are already come off a big season. So it's not something you have a lot of flexibility with. So, um, you know, I'm not saying I necessarily agree with the decision, but I can kind of understand why they were constrained to those kinds of choices. Yeah, I feel like if I was, um, you know, in the position of the players, if, let's say, for example, Erickson was taken straight to the hospital, they didn't even hear anything from him, I think they probably would heavily have considered, um, you know, just forfeiting the game or, or just calling it a, like a nil-nil draw or whatever, right? On paper, it doesn't really matter. Because I feel like at that point, it's you're worrying less about the game and you're just worrying about your teammate, um, your opponent, or, you know, the person you were facing off against now in the hospital how do you play a game, let alone, you know, sleep at night? I'm sure all of those teammates are probably worrying about his health all throughout the night because they're not getting, you know, every minute updates or every hour updates. Like his family should have gotten or, you know, deserved to have gotten. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's, a, it's just a weird situation because it's not something you see every day, right? And you, like, the game of soccer, when it stops or there's an injury, the clock's always rolling, right? And you, you don't really see it. There's there's not really a timeout. There's not really like a halt in play. It's just either more time's added or the clock still rolls and it goes until the ref blows the whistle, right? 
Yeah, I certainly think that's a, a unique aspect of soccer that I have made this decision even tougher. Um, I'm trying to think here. Oh, I did have something, maybe a little bit lighter note that I also saw on social media. So there were uh, a couple comments that I saw that were like, like, oh, yeah, like the paramedics, the EMTs, like, oh, yeah, like that's like their job. They do this every day. That's just a normal routine for them. I'm, and I was like, what? What do you even mean? You mean you, these people are like, you know, medics for like a soccer team. You know, what do they come into the game expecting? They're, they're there. Uh, they might have like a strained muscle. They maybe might have like a, a torn ligament on, on the worst. They might have to do like some concussion testing. They might have to do some other stuff, but mostly they're there to, to make sure the ref pulls out a yellow card when one of the players goes to the ground and give them some of that, whatever spray they got. So they were not going into that game prepared to save a man's life and so I think that the, the medical team uh, certainly deserves some credit for being able to respond in that situation. And, you know, as Vandy was saying earlier, hopefully this uh, highlights the need for that type of medical care to be able to be available at a moment's notice because, you know, that, that defibrillator certainly contributed to saving his life. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, um, you know, applauded uh, Simon Carr, who is the, the captain of uh, the Denmark team, who, you know, did the wall and everything like that. Uh, flipped him on the right side, I think, to make sure, like, he doesn't, like, swallow his tongue or, or whatever. Um, but at the same time, like, the medics, you know, they did what, yeah, that's their job, but how would you have acted when, when something, you know, crazy like this happens and you're given a couple of seconds to act, right? Um, and they made the right choices and the head doctor, I think whoever was there, he was the one who kind of, I think it later came out that he only needed like one defibrillator charge to, to kind of, you know, get back to life. And he also informed that, yes, in fact, he was gone for a little bit and that had to bring him back to life. Right. But again, on the lighter note, like they did their job to a full effectiveness and, and they did it, you know, in a moment's notice, like they deserve nothing but applause for, you know, what they did and uh, in the manner they did it in, because I'm sure if they weren't there or if they hesitated, it would be a different story. And we'd probably be talking about this whole event in a, a different nature. So again, I, in times like this, like fans should just appreciate that everything went right and everything went, you know, according to plan, even though this, none of this is part of a plan. Yeah. I mean, I can't really, um, really say that any better, you know, and you know, I, I can't really imagine doing what they did, uh, which is probably why we need muffins perspective, uh, on this episode, but, um, didn't have the foresight. Special, we should have had a special guest as, as an EMT. He could have offered a unique perspective into all of this. Actually, I think he's worked some uh, athletic events as part of his gig with Rutgers but anyway that's another uh, topic for another day um, but yeah it's just like you go in there like Jacob said you go in there expecting to do like you know um, someone strained a muscle or someone's got turf toe or something like that something relatively minor that they can either treat or remedy or whatever the case may be uh, so to be go to go from that to EMT mode I mean that, that can't be easy at all so mad props to them 
Certainly, certainly. And yeah, I think you guys, you guys hit on it right when you said, you know, if, if things went differently, we would be talking about this in a much different light. I think we're all, uh, you know, in, in, in the global sense, we're all happy that he was able to pull through. Um, I think there will probably be more reports to come out about, you know, if he's able to play again, possibly. I, I'm not sure. Uh, or just how how his recovery is going. I'm sure people will be concerned and want to hear about that. And you know, hopefully, um, hopefully he he sees a lot of support from the soccer community because uh, that's what I think uh, it should be. Um, but uh, if no one has any further thoughts on that topic. I'm going to transfer us over into a new segment and you guys are in for a treat specifically because, Oh, Chris, you want to go? You want to tell us say, about I like, I like how casually, was? Oh, I was going to, I was just going to say how casually you glossed over the France Germany game. Um, oh. very, very there. Um, just didn't want to talk Ooh, about it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, honestly, we don't have to go into it. I just wanted to, I just wanted I'll, to, poke I'll get fun. my take. I'm not scared, Chris. <laughs> okay. I'm not all scared. right. All right. That must right. have been like a, a Freudian slip. Like I, I, I'm purposely stepped over that. Yeah. But I, I'll go Oops, back. Would you look we'll at that? Back. I forgot to mention he's, it. Wow. Chris, Chris is adding <laughs> some suspense for us. He's psychologically blocked that event from his mind, Chris. Yeah. I think he's, he's, <laughs> So we yeah, did to exactly. that what I did to the USA Trinidad game in 2017. It never <laughs> happened. Anyone who tries to say it happened lied. Yeah, yeah, okay. I may, I may have, I may have kept it out of this podcast <laughs> here until you brought it up. But actually, I'm not that ashamed. I mean, okay. I it was it's a one nil loss against France, who I think is the best team going right now. Um, yes, I think. France had a majority of the opportunities. Um, there were a couple goals that were called back for offsides. Um, is it also dumb sometimes that like they play on and they get all this momentum and then it gets called back? I don't know because, you know, other chances are missed and, and you don't kind of get to see what, what would have happened. But uh, I think France definitely had the better chances. Um, like I said, a couple, couple call back for offsides, but, to a one goal loss uh, to be in the game for the whole game, uh, I think is pretty notable. Like I said, I, I think this German team is coming in a little worse for wear. Um, so as as a fan, I'm not super disappointed with this. And yes, I'm I'm a little pessimistic. I know obviously the the pedigree of the German team isn't there, and a lot of people expect them just to be good all the time but unfortunately that that isn't always possible um so yeah all in all I'm, I'm not too disappointed um and i think you know obviously a big game coming up against portugal but i mean what you do also you think got, chris you also got like hosed by not being put in the same group as north macedonia and ukraine so you know um, yeah it's, it's a tough group it's a tough group and we'll have to see how, how things shake out i if, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, I think there are a couple third place teams that will still get to move on. So yep. who, who knows what could really happen in the grand scheme of things, but I'm, I'm not too alarmed yet. I think France is a great team. Um, I would have liked some more chances on offense for us, but 
I'm I'm not uh, not losing my head yet. Okay, that's fair. Now that we said that, um, now now that we said that Germany's probably going to be Portugal five nils. So you know, there's that. Okay, well, <laughs> we'll we'll have to see. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything till it happens. Portugal's obviously a good good squad as well, but we'll we'll have to see. Um, yeah, in, in terms of just general Euro stuff, I think it's it's a little early to call. Um, I know we've had some some uh, fans in the in the call today excited for England, excited for for football, possibly coming home. Uh, I, I think it's a little I think it's a little early, a little too early to tell, but uh, I can tell you that it's definitely exciting to see international play again. I think a lot of the matches have been exciting so far, and I know we'll continue to cover. Euro 2020 as we go on here. So keep it uh, locked to us for that. Um, but yes, as I was saying, we got a new segment today. Uh, it's especially good because KR came up with a great name. We're calling it Extra Time. I think that every good idea needs a good name. And if it's got a good name, then maybe it will survive. So we checked the first box with the name. Um, basically, the gist of it is. Uh, I came up with some questions based on some of the stuff I saw on Twitter, some of the stuff that's been in the news in the soccer world. I'm going to kind of go around the horn with you guys and I'll give you like a a minute max to, to answer some of these questions. And uh, yeah, we'll try to keep it light and uh, fun. So does anyone, does anyone have any questions for you? Let's say there's a topic that we wanted to hit on but then we don't get called on it and you don't mention it then do we get that that free go around to go and attack that <laughs> i don't know i don't know i don't know what the rules are yet vandy we're still we're this is this is the the first time so we can we can make the rules if you want if no, let's, say let's like if you if you have a point after the person gives their minute you can like kind of mark your hand on here and i'll <laughs> i'll give you a little bit of airtime i'll give you like 15 seconds so you got to Got to go quick. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's see. Maybe it's more fun this way. You don't know what you're going to talk about. Okay. Yeah. This. Yeah. And, and keep in mind for our audience here, I have not briefed anyone on the topics today, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, I didn't. I didn't make. I made sure it's like not too technical knowledge. So you hopefully uh, nobody gets stumped, but we'll we'll have to see. Okay. So. Let's see here. We'll start. We'll start over with Kr. He's at the top left of my screen. So uh, we'll start here with news coming that uh, Germany player Rudiger allegedly took a nibble out of Paul Pogba during the game. Uh, it, it looked like a brush to the mouth. Definitely, uh, maybe a little intentional, but uh, uh, from watching the video, that wasn't like an obvious. Uh, bite, but you know what it made me think of? It made me think of Luis Suarez. And my question for you is: Is being known for the tendency to bite people, Luis Suarez's most notable thing about his career? Um, I would have to say yes, mainly due to the fact that it was in a World Cup, uh, and he had done it again while all eyes were watching him. Um, after that, 
mainly lived in the shadows of Neymar and, and Messi. Uh, but he also, you know, did pretty well at Barcelona himself. What is he doing at Atletico right now? I mean, I don't know. I don't think he's doing pretty well there. But um, there's still one thing he's remembered for. And here we have it in 2021. We're still mentioning it to him that he bit someone's ear. Okay. Um, and that's probably something that I'm sure if there ever is a FIFA Hall of Fame, uh, that's that's what he's going to be known for. Uh, he's probably going to get mocked for it by some of his teammates. But listen, um, there's a lot of other stuff that has happened, but that I think it, it serves as an iconic moment. And the name of Luis Suarez is always going to be linked to it forever. Ding, ding, ding. Your time is up. Chris, you have a comment here for us? Yeah, not really like a rebuttal or an argument or anything, but how hard is it not to bite other people? <laughs> like, I mean, apparently I like pretty hard. One of those things that, like, you shouldn't even be taught not to do. Hey, maybe he was hungry, all right? Who knows? <laughs> they got him running a lot out there. Uh, oh one all right, note- then have a protein bar, not a, a, a defender. <laughs> Like Jesus. Right. Right. One I'm note: there is a FIFA that. Hall of Fame. Uh, I've been to it in oh. uh, uh, in Switzerland. Um, I don't know. I can't recall if I saw anything about Suarez in there, but it could be. It it very well could be in the FIFA Soccer Hall of Fame. All right. Next topic. Here we got Chris. Uh, Chris. Speaking on Christian Vieri's Twitch channel, Bobo TV, Higuain said, I thought I could come here and play with a cigarette in my mouth, and instead it is difficult. It is a tough league. I learned that it is similar to Italian football. Chris, is this a compliment to the MLS or actually an insult to Syria? It's it's a compliment to the MLS. I think the... Serie A comparison is, is pretty apt uh, because it's a very physical league. Uh, the defenders are, are not afraid to get some pretty rough challenges in, and it, it can be a really taxing league to play in. A lot of high pressing, a lot of pressure in the back line too. Uh, the Red Bulls have been a master of that. So I think that's a pretty good comparison. And I find it interesting that Gonzalo Higuain, whose brother played in MLS for several years before he showed up, should probably know what the style of the play in the league is like before he signs. Um, there's really, I really don't understand that as kind of, uh, kind of confusing, but, um, you know, we've seen a lot of, uh, washed up, uh, I shouldn't say washed up older stars, uh, think that they can, you know, just waltz into MLS and, um, you know, score a bunch of goals without really trying, uh, like Rafa Marquez with the Red Bulls, I think is a good example of that. And it's always just blown up in their face. Um, so I think that's a lesson that the league is better than people think it is. It's growing. Um, and it's going to be a league that I think is going to be making some noise in not too long of a time. Um, ding, ding, ding. That is time for you, Chris. While you were gone and dealing with technical issues, I roasted you and I said, you're drinking the MLS Kool-Aid. Whoa, I think, whoa. I'm, I going, think back. I'm a... going back and listening to this after the Nets game, Jake. I hope you know that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I I'm not going to keep is... it in, but I'm going I'm to hear that. I want to hear what I the... think it's an insult. I think it's an insult to say that Syria is on the same level as the MLS. I know the MLS is, is improving. I still don't think it's, it's a compliment to say – that your Italian league is like the MLS. I would agree with you if he just um, said like the Serie A is just as bad as the MLS. But that's not what he said. He said it's a much harder league to play in than I thought. 
And, you know, as someone who has played in Serie A, I view that as a compliment in terms of how he framed it. I'm sorry, Chris. I have a different take, but right, I think you're I think you're trying to pull a Troy and just aggravate me right now, Jacob. We can we can agree to disagree right, and we will enough. we'll move on to Vandy over here. So Vandy, Ronaldo's removal There's of no way. There's no way. There is during no a way. press conference sparked a four billion dollar <laughs> drop in the brand's market value. What brand would you tank? If you had the opportunity, there is no way. This is literally the question that I wanted. I was like, I was like, if I don't get this damn question, I'm gonna come <laughs> back to me. It's okay. Well, all right. Um. Yeah. That's nuts. <laughs> wow. It, it's it's uh, just an interesting factoid on Ronaldo. I think for every Instagram post he makes, like that's ad related, gets paid three hundred thousand dollars per the post. That's insane. Um. What brand would I want to tank? Uh, whatever the graphic designers were for that Columbus Crew logo. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> He's tanking the MLS. <laughs> <laughs> what would I? Ah, that's a good question. It, I would have to really think deeply. What brand would I want to tank? Um, Twizzlers, because they make horrible candy. Oh. Coming for the neck, Vandy is taking out Twizzlers. No candy on the stage. So yeah, when we, no candy, when we no get soda. Some sponsors. When we get some sponsors in the future, we'll have to keep that keep that down. That we have some cobwebs now against Twizzlers. Hey, we, we may have some uh, some some youth footballers out there. No candy, guys. No soda. There you go. All right, there we go. <laughs> I can tolerate MLS slander. I will not tolerate Twizzler slander. Really, I knew somebody on this podcast would go like. I am a fan it. of Twizzlers as All right, well. Two so of us, but Jacob was too nice to again. Come on, KR, KR, you can't leave me hanging here. You have to hate Twizzlers too. Listen, they've been around a while, but oh. I don't know why. I honestly exactly. don't know why. Oh. Exactly, eating plastic at that point. Like I don't know why they're even around. Me too. All right, seems like we're split on Twizzlers. Looks like we'll have to go to a a fan vote here. Um, all right, next topic. KR, uh, let's go over here. Uh, Sergio Ramos to leave Real Madrid after 16 years. Will the uh, will his move in his career? Will it be most like Tom Brady, Kevin Durant, or Timo Werner? Um Wait, 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 wait. How does it completely does different, Timo, first of all? Wait, how does Timo fit into this? What? All right, we, we, we got we, Champions we, League. I know right? I made it tough. Hey, this is the first time I'm making these questions. Bear with me a little. So, okay, so what okay, I'm okay, thinking okay, is okay. Tom Brady, Tom Brady switches teams, wins a ship. He's still at the top of his game, and he's, he's performing at an all-time level, brings the team that he goes to up. All right? Kevin Durant. Goes to a team that's already pretty good, gets some accolades with them. Uh, Timo Werner goes to a new team, goes to a tougher team, and was a little bit disappointing to start and has some some doubters. So I'm thinking, where where do you see Sergio Ramos landing, and do you think this is going to go well for him? I think this is going to be a Kevin Durant situation. Um for some reason, for one way or another, I 
think he's going to end up with Man City. Um, and I think him being with Man City, again, like you mentioned, already in a stack squad, maybe a piece away from getting to the Champions League they've been kind of hunting for. Um, and, you know, finally, Sergio Ramos's experience of winning trophies might, you know, help both Man City and himself kind of expand each other's legacy. Um, again, I, I think a lot of people aren't going to like it, just like they didn't like the Kevin Durant move, but it'll benefit both parties in, in their own ways. I mean, the guy had a press conference and he couldn't fit all the trophies he's won at Real Madrid on one screen. So if that doesn't want all of the teams trying to go hunt for him, and listen, if one of those teams is Man City, a team that's at the top of the table everywhere, he's going to be making a mistake if he doesn't go there. All right. Looks like we are optimistic, at least in his, in terms of his ability to win some silverware, in, t- in terms of his ability to attract a, an offer from a top club, even towards his older age. And, of course, obviously has had uh, a good amount of success with Real. Uh, so there's a good chance, I'd say. All right. I'm sure he can make oh, some easy money up in uh, Miami if he wants to. Uh, you know. Chris, you, you lined yourself up. You, re- you, you must have been reading my notes because you line yourself up right into your next question here. Uh-oh. Inter-Miami co-owner Jorge Mas is optimistic about bringing Barcelona forward Lionel Messi to play in the MLS. Will Lionel Messi ever play for an MLS club? I'm laughing at that, not because I think it's impossible. I do think there's a higher probability than a lot of people think that Lionel Messi ends up in MLS in a couple of years. Um, the reason why I'm laughing is because uh, in Major League Soccer, you have three designated players. You can pay whatever you want. And it doesn't count against the salary cap. And Jorge Moss managed to sign four before the season even started their second season, their season um, this year. So he had to put one of them on loan because he thought he could just cheat the system blatantly and it didn't work. So that's why I'm laughing at that. Um, but I mean, hey, you know, Messi, I think, wants to capitalize on his popularity in America. Um, there are certainly teams that would be willing to come to some sort of agreement. I think Miami would be one of them. I think teams like LA, New York, uh, and the like uh, would definitely be interested in that. So, um, you know, I don't think it's impossible at all. Um, the idea is certainly uh, workable, whether it's Miami and whether Miami can get their act together in terms of following the rules. That's another matter entirely. All right. And to close us off here, we got the last one for you, Vandy. Um, I, I thought of this one. I picked this one for you because I feel like uh, it ties in with Chelsea a little bit. Uh, so the U.S. men's national team released some new jerseys. I think they look pretty similar. Are they, they're getting a, a, they're giving me a Chelsea uh, alternate kit vibe. Uh, I need you to tell me, hot or not? I would say hot, but not original. Um, for years now, I feel like the U.S. men's national team has some clean jerseys. Obviously, Nike is domestically originated in the United States. That just makes sense for them to have the best jerseys or one of the best jerseys of the Nike-sponsored countries. But this is giving me Chelsea alternate Crystal Palace vibes, and I'm not I'm – not, uh, I'm not 100% sold on it just because it's it's just not original. Um, it's not a it's it's not an eyesore. It's more of an eye catcher. But 
uh, I could definitely see some people out here in LA rocking that for sure. <laughs> well, Pulisic uh, will be ready. His cleats already go with the colorway. So I'm sure that will be a, a nice touch for him. But that is about it for our show. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. If you have any suggestions for questions to our, our analysts here for next week, uh, feel free to send us a DM on Twitter at PolarFCPod. We'd love to, love to use your question on air and quiz some of our guys here. So thanks for listening with us. Thanks for staying tuned to us, and we'll see you next week.